congratulations on your fashion award as independent British designer. Thank you so much, Susie. I was much more overwhelmed by it than I had anticipated. I was really honoured and humbled. One, marking the last decade. And two, you know, it's been with the pandemic the last few years, we've been working through, but you still don't know, is it still resonating? And it was, yeah, I was, I was really, yeah, overwhelmed actually. I am Susie Menkes, and you are listening to my podcast, Creative Conversations. As a journalist reporting on the global fashion industry, I want to take you backstage and give you an insight into my world. Listen to my exclusive conversations with creatives, industry leaders, and those whose voices have some of the greatest impact. I think you might find it interesting and maybe intriguing. Congratulations to Simone Rocha, the Irish designer who is celebrating 10 years in fashion. I talked to her about what it feels like to be in business for a decade and winning the Independent Fashion Designer Award. Simone started her training in Ireland at the National College of Art and Design, Dublin. She then moved to the acclaimed Central St. Martins in London for her fashion MA under the late professor Louise Wilson. But her real training came from working at her father's studio in her teens. Simone learned from John Rocha, her fashion designer father, from Hong Kong and a fixture on the London fashion scene. Her mother Odette played a crucial part in her success then and now. Simone's path into fashion seemed inevitable. In 2010, she launched her own label under Lulu Kennedy's Fashion East system. Now, with three stores to her name and a family, let's hear from Simone's lips how she has achieved so much with the combination of her strong Irish and Hong Kong heritage bringing out her distinct style. Simone, I want to say just one-on-one congratulations on your fashion award as independent British designer. I I felt so proud when I saw you on stage with Griff that um, it was really a moment in fashion history and certainly a moment for you. I'm sure you did feel like that, didn't you? Thank you so much, Susie. Honestly, I really did. I was much more um, overwhelmed by it than I had anticipated. I was really, really, um, really honoured and humbled because one, marking the last decade and two, you know, it's been with the pandemic the last few years, we've been working through, but you still don't know, is it still resonating? And it was, yeah, I was, I was really... Yeah, overwhelmed, actually. I'm very proud to be representing independence and be representing a designer who shows in London. Well, you should be proud of yourself, but it's also pretty much to be 10 years in fashion. It may not sound that much, but it's, I would really say congratulations to you. It's a real achievement. And um, we had that wonderful celebration over lunch with you down in Somerset. Um, the happy days yes. when the sun was shining. But tell me... How do you feel now as the member of a company um, being 10 years old? And have you got any any tips to tell us how you've stayed in the groove for these 10 years? Yeah, it, feel, it feels incredible, actually. It feels 
some days it feels like um, no time at all. And then some days it feels like quite a steep hill. But I think that's just p- a part of the process. But um, yeah, for me, it's something that like thinking of tips in a way, every season I've do- I've always worked in a way that's very instinctive. And that means it can still be ambitious but it's also been in a way that is there's a very practical way to the way I work which is kind of a contrast to the collections almost and their kind of creativity and frivolity and humor and playfulness that actually when it comes to the the label itself it's always been quite important to push forward subtly but in a very kind of practical way and that um and almost in an in like an old-fashioned way which is why the model that I have is much more like an independent model, like a like a, a Rick Owens or a previous Drees, where it's a lot about your culture and your DNA and your clients and growing with them and rather than having ambitions of doing something else. And that's what's actually really been my path to growing, if that makes sense. Dare I say also that... Um... You know, it's not usually so fashionable to have all these family connections that you have. And there's your father, um, John Rochard, and his long career in fashion. I followed it right from the beginning. And then your mother's um, continuous support. But didn't you tell me that at the beginning you didn't want to get involved with your family, that, um, you know, you, you, you sort of slowly, slowly let them in? Yeah, and there's no denying it <laughs> that, um, you know, I grew I'm in, there's no denying I'm incredibly fortunate to have grown up in a family that work in fashion and for it to be very much a part of our lives. And the way that's always infiltrated me is it's just felt so normal like the most natural thing because both my parents worked incredibly hard and it was such a big part of their lives that it was just a part of my life so it felt really normal so when my father was still showing and I was studying it is true I said you know I feel I want to go and do something under my own identity rather than you know coming back and designing for his house, like a house of Russia type situation. And they totally respected that and said, you know, is that how you want to do it? And you you want to forge your own path. I was very lucky that after I graduated from CSM, I was offered fashionese. So it actually came quite quickly in kind of a different avenue. And only when I realised how quick it was kind of it was setting off by being stocked in Dover Street Market and Colette and all them independents like Biffy. It registered that actually I would need to I would need to work with them <laughs> to in a, in a in in a different capacity. So your mother Odette is more involved now because you've got those two little baby girls of your own, and um, I really feel that the relationship between mother and daughter has been very strong in your own work. And what is the role that your mother plays in your company today? I know that she already had a crucial role when she was um, dealing with your father. So it was from one member of the family to another. Is that right? Absolutely. And it's actually, it's a very similar role um, with myself and mum, that we work very closely on the collections, actually. And the thing that I admire about her most is, one, all her experience, but two, also, she's always influenced my inspiration, 
her attention to detail. She came originally from a retail background before she met my father and became such a part of his business. And it's that's really what she focuses on with myself, the product from the collection going through production into the retail and how that's distributed. And it's something that um, we love working together on. And yeah, it's it, it it's kind of funny. We As a company, we don't have titles. We don't really look at it in that way. But I'm learning the term that merchant is kind of the title. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, so she's a huge influence on me in the day to day. But also, yeah, the relationship of mother and daughter and my own daughters has creatively influenced me a lot um, because I find it's very difficult to design so removed from yourself. So when I personally went through the birth of my first daughter and second daughter, I was still working because it's obviously my own business. So it really influenced the collections, which I found a very kind of cathartic release, actually. I found it a... Uh, um, and a good way to deal with um, motherhood, actually. It's, it's interesting, though, that you seem to be moving forward very fast. Um, obviously, you've got your inner thoughts, which are very important, but you've also got three stores. You've got one in London, you've got one in New York, and you've got another one in Hong Kong, where you've got a family connection. So you must maintain a fairly steady business. And how far and how fast do you think you can continue to develop? Because 10 years is already impressive. And do you think that these latest terrible pandemic, which seems to go on and on, led you in a different direction? Or is it all really according to the plans you had perhaps three years ago? No, I think, I, I actually, I think it's both. You know, we've always, we're always looking for growth. You know, the way, you know, obviously we want growth because then that it all comes back into the company, which gives me the resources to do things that I really want to do and to physically manifest these collections, you know, whether that's through fabrication or through showing it and sharing it in a certain way. And that's what that's our goal every season, every year. Um, and we've been very fortunate to to have growth every year, even within the pandemic and the parameters for us, the big thing was navigating it and really very quickly when it started, understanding that it's something that was going to be around for a long time, like you said, and something we all have to live with and navigate. So we started looking at how we make things, where we make things, how we can get things done, delivered, how we can get them to people. So like my three stores, we did have to shut. We didn't have our own online. So we started that, started interacting with our customers and clients and community in a different way and just really honestly taking it step by step and working in a way that wasn't ignoring what was happening and really trying to navigate it in a way that still felt productive. And we've been really fortunate to come through it, actually. Talking also about what is happening in, in different parts of the world, most people probably don't know your father's Hong Kong heritage and the fact you've got family out there. And um, you, you certainly, we think much more about your clothes, about England, about Ireland, when we think about you. So what do you think came in with your father's Hong Kong heritage? Yeah, absolutely. It's something that I'm very, um, I'm really, really proud of growing up mixed race and being half Irish and half Chinese. And growing up in Ireland had, is, has, has a huge influence on me. But also 
the fact that I've gone to Hong Kong every year of my life, pretty much. And it's a place that I've always found really inspiring because of the connection of family in both. My parents are both one of seven in Ireland and Hong Kong. And there's just this idea of kind of ritual and ceremony of both, which are very different, that I've always been really attracted to. So particularly in Hong Kong, also the fact that Ireland is an island, it's all surrounded by water and my dad's from Hong Kong Island, which is also all surrounded by water. So the landscape has always influenced the collection. And especially in Hong Kong, I love how you're within nature, but then there's this contrast of concrete and building and of the man-made. And that's influenced, I feel, has influenced a lot of my collections. My autumn winter collection called Mad Flower was very much looking at the landscape in Hong Kong and this collision of natural and man-made but also I was looking at my family and the way they dress and the ceremony of how the women really put together what they wear and how there's a real mix of practicality. So a lot of women are in trousers, but then it's always polarised with always very like floral prints and chintzy prints. And I love this mix of that masculine and feminine coming together, which to me is very kind of old Hong Kong style. And I think that's something you can really pick up in different collections of mine over the years. I would like to know really how you operate and how you define your own style. You marry silhouettes with themes, so it's always very distinctive. It's what you were talking about just now. You're, you're talking about that, aren't you? Taking elements of what have been in your visual life and making them work together, which is quite a, quite a task. Absolutely, and that that's what I love. That's what I find so um, exciting about clothes and making clothes and dressing and being influenced by different elements that are around you that come from a very kind of a natural place in somebody, whether it's historically how their family dressed or historically how they dressed because of where they're from. And I've always loved looking at that perspective, but then looking at that today and making that collision. That's what I've always, that's what I love doing, that finding that balance and that tension and that sometimes slightly uncomfortable friction between them, but then ultimately creating something that feels beautiful and tactile. And what I do can feel very feminine and kind of female, but then the contrast of when you're wearing it or living it, you feel a sense of strength and protection and almost like a uniform armory. And yeah, that's just how... It's so hard to like even describe it, but that is kind of just how all the clothes kind of come to fruition, really. I'm also fascinated by the way that your hair and your makeup um, is always eclectic. I, I never quite know how it fits in with the clothes. I mean, in, in, intellectually, I don't sit there thinking, oh, well, she must have chosen that hair like that because it goes with something. But I somehow feel it that it's connected. Is it important to you? Do, do you have to feel it to do it? Absolutely. And it's it's so actually important to me. The um like it's always such a big day there in makeup test. Because I prep I prep for it l when I'm doing the collection. So for example, the last show was about the idea, the ceremony of uh, baptism. So I really wanted 
this idea of wetting the baby's head when the babies are baptized. So that's why the hair was this very, very, like, looked like drenched wet, like people had been dipped to be baptized. And it was also, the collection had a lot of layers, a lot of volume. It was almost like diffused. There were so many layers. So I also wanted something kind of heavy to weigh it down. So it's, it's actually, yeah, it's a big part of what I do and what I, what I love doing actually. And same with the hair and, and the makeup. We never even really call it makeup because I always want there to be a slightly playful naivety feeling that the girls could almost have done it themselves. You know, I always want them to feel like they could have done it. So this time we had all the little kids transfers on, which was very influenced by my daughter Valentine and how she wears them all over her face. And because the collection was kind of an ode to both the girls, that's that's where those two references came from. I'd like to know more about um, Dublin and your relationship with the city. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, I know that you went to art school there and that I believe your husband is Irish. So Mm -hmm. there's very much, there's an Irish part of you that's very important. Um, Would you also say that it's the landscape of Ireland when I'm thinking of the... um, churches where you've held so many shows I mean they've been churches in um, London but I'm sure they could have been anywhere and there's a sort of poetic side that um, comes to you from the Irish heritage is that right? Absolutely and it's something that I am really proud of being Irish and I feel very lucky to have to have grown up there and that's such a good point because with the shows like I love them to feel like they could be anywhere. You know, I love them. To, I love people when they come to a show, whether it's in a church or in, for example, a theatre or in, in a beautiful old stone building. I love people to feel slightly displaced, like they've walked into my mind, essentially. And Ireland has a huge influence on that. And the landscape itself is very influential of my textiles so it could be Sally Gap or it could be like the west of Ireland and Connemara and sometimes we'd be looking at pictures of the bog and peat and then saying I want to how can I translate that into the knitwear so we're like looking at all these different peat browns that then go into the chunky knits so it's like two different elements that's way where it really influences the textiles and then the sense of place and the procession is is definitely influenced by home and the richness of the the storytelling at home is so um so inspiring and influential and it feels so um it not not authentic but it i love when something feels natural you know what i mean because it's something that i grew, grew up around and then i love the challenge of re-looking at it and reinterpreting it almost like a student and seeing what i get from it to then influence the work so, well, I'm very impressed about your description of these bogs and these um, fabrics that you make that are part of the wild Ireland. But I, I'm a bit lost. What about those crystals and pearls that um, you have put into your clothes, especially in the earlier years? And they glitter and they're the sort of thing you could be worn at um, a party going out at night. Is that a different Ireland I don't know about? No, it's actually, so originally the pearl came from a collection I had done, which I think was, I'm terrible with numbers, but spring, summer 11, I'll I'll find out. But it was the first time I introduced pearl with, it was all embroidered onto neoprene. And it was because 
I had been in the west of Ireland and I was very inspired by uh, the sea and the Atlantic, the Atlantic Ocean. And I was thinking, what could be an amazing adornment from the sea? So that's where the initially the pearl came from and how I could put this shiny jewel onto something very matte. And I loved that contrast. And then in the same trip, when I was coming home from Ireland, I was actually in the airport and I was behind the former president, um, Mary Robinson, who was an incredible, who is an incredible woman, who was the first female president, president of Ireland and now works for the UN. And she's, and she was wearing a pearl necklace on outside a black turtleneck. And I've always been in really in awe of her as an incredible woman. And then I found it so fitting that I had already been thinking of this idea of the pearl and then this incredible Irish female that I admired was wearing it. And that kind of influenced that first collection. So that's where it originally came from. I want to take you out of Ireland, if you can bear it, um, just mm-hmm. for a few minutes, so that I can ask a question that um, pertains to London and to your um, relationship with Adrian Joffe at um, the Dover Street Market. I mean, he is known the world over as the person with the greatest eye for looking at fashion people for the future. And he picked you out, didn't he, very early on, and you've stayed, as far as I can see, you've always stayed with Dover Street Market. Tell me about that relationship. Absolutely. And it's it's something I value so much that I've actually had a decade with Dover Street Market. And I'll never forget when I had, I had showed off schedule and I had quite a small collection of all these tulle dresses exposing the underpinnings. And I'd sourced because it was obviously much smaller at the time I'd sourced all this lace in um in markets and trapped it inside PVC and I had this very small collection and Adrian came to see me and see it and was like yes I I really like this and I was in awe because Dover Street Market I'd always admired one because of Comme de Garçon but two, the attitude of inviting others in, I thought was so, so progressive and so cool to have, and not just young, young designers, but also older established designers. And, you know, it wasn't going with the trends. And it was just, it was an amazing um, conversation and experience. And in the same season, he came to see me a few weeks later with Ray to show her the collection and it was um it was an incredibly special moment for me as a as a young as a very very young designer and and I really believed them when they said you know we'd love to work together and and I said I I would absolutely love that and even then I could tell that it was going to be a real relationship and I'm really proud to say 10 years later that um, I still have wonderful spaces with them and it's it's been a pleasure to be a part of their family. Well, I mean, Adrian Joffe and Ray Kawakubo are the most amazing couple and the fact that they embraced you is obviously um, tells us a great deal about your work and how it's seen. Am I right in thinking that you were just all together very recently in um, America, in New York? Yes. So I was in New York 
the the night after the award. So it was not my best flight, but um, yes, I went to New York because for the my ten year anniversary, we wanted to. Um, we had previously erected this big installation in Dover Street Market, London, which was um, a stained glass chapel that, you know, it was a collection that I'd shown still during the pandemic to nobody. But we were hoping that by the time the collection was in store, which would be the same time as the 10 years, we would be back in person. So I really wanted to create something that people could conjugate at and this idea of a of, of a stained glass church. And we we had it in Dover Market, London. And then I went to New York to bring it to my store in Wooster Street. And um, and then to go and celebrate also with Dover Market, New York. So, yeah, it was a fantastic trip, actually. Am I right in thinking you're also being connected with the ballet? Or is this just a dream for the future? Um, it would be a dream. I would absolutely love to do a ballet. I have worked with um, Francesca Hayward, who's the incredible principal dancer in the uh, in the Royal Ballet, on a few projects, um, but just myself and her rather than as a whole ballet. But we did a film recently where she she was incredible in it. Um, but yeah, that would be a dream. What about another dream? What about a restaurant? I've been to your brother's <laughs> recent opening um, of the um, restaurant in London and it seems to me that as you have so much time on your hands, you've only got two kids <laughs> and all these things, don't you think that you should or at least do the um, uh, the way that it looks or something? Do you want to get involved with that world of restaurants? I definitely leaving the cooking to him. <laughs> He's incredibly talented at what he does. I always set the table. That is always, that's my role is always setting the table. So, you know, I would, and I, I do design my own stores. So I would, I would be interested in, you know, setting a bigger table that other people could set their table at home to feel like you're in my world. But I don't think, I don't think it would be in my own restaurant. I think it would be more, I'd love to do it for people's homes, actually. I think that would be really interesting project. Simone, this is so fashion, making beautiful tables and beautiful places. But of course, no one in the fashion world ever is seen eating anything. And, well, not not by our standards. We had we we love breaking bread. We do a lot of breaking bread with our family um, and friends. So yeah, breaking the mould. Is there anything that you're planning with any of your stores in different countries? At the moment, we're working on the collection for February. Is kind of my, on to be quite honest, every every time I'm asked this, like, we're just working on the next show. <laughs> it's just so old fashioned. It's like oh, on to the next show. So um, yeah, so that's my big plan for next year. But hoping to hoping to have a few projects. I've um, oh, I've been asked to curate a art show in. Ireland, which I'm really looking forward to. And um, so I have some projects like that. And then hopefully I'll have some more um, interesting design projects. How do you find the time? You're Wonder Woman. I I don't know. It's a lot of hard graft. (laughs) Yeah, it's relentless, but it, but yeah, I love it. So I can't complain. It's been such a joy to speak to somebody in the fashion world who appears to lead such a normal life, helped by your parents, 
beautiful young children who in 20 years time will obviously take over from you and make clothes <laughs> with you and um, it sounds like a fairy story but the greatest thing about it is that it's reality congratulations congratulations on your recent award and also in bringing so much of yourself to your splendid collections thank you so much susie thank you so kind I really appreciate it. I think I've, I've been in your shows right from the beginning. I don't think I've ever missed one. So I've had the real joy of watching you develop, which when you're a journalist is really the greatest thing in the fashion world. And I'm sure it's the same for the art world. And seeing people and spotting that they've got something special and then seeing it grow into something big, like a great big flower. It's a happy moment and I congratulate you. Thank you so much, Susie. That means so much, honestly. To many more, I hope. <laughs> Thank you, Simone, for your calm yet incisive words. Hearing about you growing up in Dublin and how you eventually let your parents into your business, how you coped with the pandemic and the different elements which forge your style and storytelling for each collection. Bravo on 10 years and here's to the next decades to come. Join me next time when I shall be with Zandra Rhodes, who will be talking about her 50 years of original design, imaginative prints, performance costumes, and a lifetime of shocking pink hair. Creative Conversations with Susie Menkes is produced by Natasha Cowan, music by Jörg Zuber, graphics by Paul Wallace, and edited by Tim Thornton. To find my articles, visit susiemenkes.com and susiemenkes on Instagram. If you enjoyed the podcast, then please do rate, review, subscribe and tell your friends. You can find me on all the usual channels. <laughs>